Okay, I'm going to start off today. Hey, thanks for joining me, HSV Progressive. Glad you found me. I'm going to start off today with a little poem called When You Meet a Member of the Ku Klux Klan by Robert L. Poston, 1921. When you meet a member of the Ku Klux Klan, walk right up and hit him like a natural man. Take no thought of babies he may have at home, sympathies defamed when used upon his dome. Hit him in the mouth and push his face right in. Knock him down a flight of stairs and pick him up again. Get your distance from him and then take a running start. Hit him, brother, hit him, and please hit the scoundrel hard. Pour some water on him, bring him back to life once more. Think of how he did your folks in the days of long ago. Make a prayer to heaven for the strength to do the job. Kick him in the stomach, he, a low, unworthy snob. Call your wife and baby out to see you have some fun. Sick your bulldog on him for to see the rascal run. Head him off before he gets ten paces from your door. Take a bat of sturdy oak and knock him down once more. This time you may leave him where he wallows in the sand, a spent and humble member of the Ku Klux Klan. Anyway, I'm not advocating for uh, violence, um, and this is a show about um, alternatives to policing, which is ultimately done in a violent way in in uh, so much of this country. So I don't want to s- advocate for this violence, but uh, but you know, in in the fiction, in the world of fiction, maybe it's sometimes kind of good to uh, to um, to let your imagination run wild. Um, and and uh, and anyway, I'm going to leave it up to you to decide how you feel about this. Um, I. I I hope you stick around now. I'm going to have a conversation with Catherine Herford and, um, and, and we're going to talk about alternatives to policing. And um, I'm really looking forward to getting around to uh, having a little chit chat with you about the city council meeting that happened this week. That would be the 1st of December, um, where a good deal of entertaining and aggravating conversation went back and forth uh, about, ostensibly, about confirming three new department heads, but really it was about uh, the the um, uh, um, new police chief that got voted in. Um, before I get to that, I know I still have, have a, a November city council meeting to catch up, catch you up with, um, this week coming up, uh, there's a Madison County commission meeting. Um, and we of course need to keep tabs on planning commission and, you know, who knows what all. So we're, we're, the year is, is coming to a close and, um, this is my first year of doing the podcast and I'm really appreciative of all you guys listening and I hope you enjoy this little conversation that uh, Catherine and I had and I will hopefully be back again very soon with another podcast for you to uh, get this year wrapped up and caught up and um, and uh, and again thank you so much for for listening and sharing and uh and 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 you know thinking about things
Okay. Hey, this is Joy. We are back with HSV Progressive. And um, for this episode, I'm having a conversation with friend of show, Catherine Hereford. Um, gosh, you know, did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yeah. You know, my family says Hereford and, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a British last name, I guess. And I've heard people say Hereford, but we say yeah. Hereford. Hereford. But- yeah, say I, I suddenly know. when I said it, I could tell that I was saying it like an English person because I went to school in England when I was for a little while when I was in my teens. And, you know, you just sort of some things just at that stage in your life sort yeah. of stick. So, oh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I thought all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Catherine Herford. <laughs> um, thanks for being here tonight. Um, and uh, so we're going to talk tonight about alternatives to policing. That's at least ostensibly what is on our radar for our conversation tonight. Um, but I think I want to start by asking you, and I think this follows follows follows, or at least you could use it this way, um, under the rubric of alternatives to policing, if you want to. Uh, if if you were say, um, well, which would you rather be, mayor of Huntsville, or would you rather like to be a city councilman for your district? Oh well, I guess the mayor has more power. So if I the city council people act like their hands are tied because Alabama, you know, and state government has all the power and city governments don't have you know home rule or anything so if you talk to a city council person they act like they can't do anything but you know the mayor can do some stuff at least and like appointing the chief of police would be a great thing a great power to have so so i'll ask you if you were mayor of huntsville Mm -hmm. what's the first three things you would do oh wow okay okay this is a good question i would decriminalize I would decriminalize uh, marijuana and low-level like drug offenses. Um, I would I would build housing. I would build housing for people that is not for profit for someone, but that is a right. So, you know, what like, you, you mean, like public housing? Is that what you mean? I do mean public housing. <laughs> I do absolutely, absolutely, cool. excellent. Public housing. Um, And I think, but I think in order to make like progress, like climate wise too, as a city, we would need to change the, what the zoning laws, like the single family home situation where you have to, the, the way the suburbs are created, I think that we probably need to look at some better models for how to uh, design the city so we're not wreaking so much havoc on the environment. Hey, I love those. That, thank you so much. That's, you know, that one's close to my heart. Um, it, yeah, and I don't know, you know, I, I was thinking earlier about um, what kind of power does the mayor in Huntsville actually wield, you know? But, uh, and yeah. I know, uh, so basically, so uh, he's the, um, the administrative branch which is the executive branch, right? And and he is the executive branch because he ha- is the head of the police, right? right. His, the police right. are under him. So that's the executive, the people who execute the laws, right? 
and uh, uh, but um, but obviously that doesn't mean that he has the power to change the laws. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that it's also up to our state representatives, like the state house representative. Then uh, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to get them to do anything the way I don't know. The way the the system is set up to make it more difficult, and well, it totally is. I agree with you. And like for for instance, on your decriminalizing marijuana, um, like the so uh, so there's certain things that uh, directives I think the mayor could give to the police that aren't you know aren't like legislative. They're just like you don't do this or don't do that and do do this, you know. So there's some things that he could do in sort of in that direction. But um that's really a legislative legislative thing, right? Yeah, or, it's a, yeah, it's or, a state thing. Or or the district attorney could be told to right. not to not ex- execute certain laws, right? Uh, but right. Uh, is the district attorney is an elected position. And isn't the district attorney is for the county, isn't he? Yes, the district attorney is elected. Yeah, it's a county election. And, um, and and you know, it, you're right. Birmingham has gone through this because they tried to kind of decriminalize. And it was the chief of police, I believe, or just the police department in general, who was not on board with hmm. what the... Um, what the mayor was trying to do and Mm. so it so you know from what I was told the rollout was sloppy and it didn't really work because all these people were not on the same um, page but I think the power to just uh appoint a chief of police you know the power over the chief of police that that has a lot of sway in what your who your police officers will arrest and who they will not what they prioritize as far as their work and um and yes just the make the sort of the culture and makeup of the police department that is to at least some extent under the control of the mayor's office mm-hmm. right um, and then your second thing was building public housing uh, uh which uh, you, that's um you have to finance that so that does have to go through city council to get the funds approved right right um but and and not to mention so this is what i think is would be is even harder there's uh, the whole planning and community develop and the and planning commission and all those people get involved in that decision and you know there's so many people on those in those boards and stuff that are um, not interested in public anything, so far as I can tell, they're yeah. developers. And so you, uh, uh, although the mayor should have some, you know, uh, influence over those things, I don't know how, you know, without changing some laws, how much could be done, but definitely, you know, a, the, a mayor should push for that kind of stuff. And because, yeah. I, I mean, if, if the mayor's not, then that certainly isn't helping that's for sure and then the zoning thing again too that's involving all of the public contractors and um, private contractors and and all of the zoning commission and all of those people to 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 try and and and, you know uh, i've i've hit that you know head on 
more than once and even been told by you know a city council person well what can i do the zoning codes are like that and you know and acting like they are carved in stone or stumps, something like that but again so all of how, these sorry go ahead how do we convince these people that and, and what the data backs up i think from some of the studies i've read i can't pretend to know everything about this but how do we convince these people that it's in their financial best interest just like all their you know backdoor deals all of their crooked mm-hmm. dealings and the, and the way uh, it seems like our city government is successful in like enriching themselves so how do we convince them to enrich themselves you know because this actually saves money how do we find a way to get well, them to I don't, cash I in no, on this yeah i have no idea because look the whole state government is set up this way the people that we send to to be in our house and senate down in in uh, montgomery are all doing the same stuff on the state level. Yeah, you know well, I mean? somebody, somebody's getting super, super rich off of locking people up off of our prison system. Mm-hmm. You know, to the extent that they're building these new prisons instead of shoring up our social services, you know, and and well, why can't they be more creative and make some money off of like legal weed like other places? Why <laughs> why are they still making money off of slavery? Well, and know? here, yes, no joke. And here in Huntsville. I think that that uh, we're at a disadvantage to be motivated to change the way we do things or think about things, partly because we're having a boom, supposedly, you know, for whom, I don't know, that's a good question, but, you know, we got all these people moving in and, and houses being built and our revenue, tax revenue base is growing. And, and so, um, you know, everybody thinks we're doing it right. Mm. You know, well, as, a, as opposed to having a, a, a modicum of foresight, you know. Right, right. That all this growth is, you know, like, yeah. It, it, but sure, it's not going to cause any problems. There's nothing, nothing we should anticipate going wrong here. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh. Just. Well, and then, so somebody said recently that they thought that, you know, a percentage of the new housing being built had to be like low income and who knows, you know, what qualifies as low income, you know. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I went to this summer, I went to my district one meeting where they had some guys talking about a project they wanted to do on North Parkway for low income housing. You know how much those houses cost? $200,000. That's not low income to me at all. I don't know. And, but every time I I say that people look at me like, what the hell's wrong with you? How come you can't, why don't you have a $200,000 house? And Mm. I'm I'm like, I'm not an idiot. That's why I don't have a $200,000 house. I don't want to take that on, you know, (laughs) that's just nuts anyway. But the um, way that things are going, I mean, your house is, gonna be worth that really soon you know like (laughs) well if it doesn't fall down first you know (laughs) I think probably you know that it's kind of as a as a single income earner houses are hard to yeah oh yeah healthy with only one income these days everything I can I I don't know if all my listeners felt what I felt in the 2008 crash but everything since then has been uh, fiscally much harder to accomplish than it was before it's like 
it's austerity. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Uh, they imposed austerity on us because the banks behaved badly. And I feel it. Things are different since then as far as finding, getting money put together and being able to do something meaningful with it. Yeah, it's funny. I guess I didn't think about 2008 being the um, like kind of the turning point in my life. But I do remember back in the day when um, my son was little and I was working as a case manager. I wasn't making that much money, but I was living relatively well. You know, my rent wasn't super expensive. And I and I think about being. Like. Uh oh, I remember being able to afford a beer back then. And then something soon after that changed. And it was like, you know, it was it was budget beer and it was uh, not. Yeah, things things got tighter for sure for a long time and haven't bounced back. In fact, I, you know, have have sold my soul to the defense industry and I'm working um, in the military industrial complex. And for a while, a few years ago, I got to the point where I was like, wow, I have enough. I'm not like going into debt every year. I'm not struggling all the time. And that slipped away recently, you know, like even though I'm making more than I ever have, my expenses have gone out of control. Yeah. And just in the last, you know, year or so, like, I, I don't, again, you know, I'm like going into debt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know. Well, the inflation, of course, is hitting us and, 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 uh, and, and the raising interest rates as, as a cure for inflation is the cruelest cure. It mm. hits all of the consumers really hard. It's not hitting the people that are making record record profits off of yeah. the inflation, you know. So it, anyway, I think maybe in our discussion and alternatives to policing that mm -hmm. I, I'm getting the feeling that we have a lot that we could say about like the structure of our society. Right. That, you know, that might that maybe needs to that maybe could be addressed. Oh, I mean maybe it's pie in the sky, maybe it isn't, maybe it's inevitable that we're going to change things, whatever. But I think that there, that there's some issues there that w would fall under. How do you, how do you, you know, make it so that you don't need um, the sort of policing that we currently have, which is yeah. militarized and um, racist and violent and inherently just inherently yeah and you know one of my um and this isn't one of the things that i would like to see changed is is the culture of police uh, as in hire a different kind of people you know and that's going to be a difficult hurdle to get over if anybody even tried to do that because right now the only people that apply to be police are people who have a proclivity to be right. violent and racist and, and want to beat up on people, which to me are exactly the people that should not be hired to be police. Yeah. Well, you know, you're getting people who want to like kind of tell other people what to do maybe rather than protecting and serving, you know, it's not like the same as wanting to go into nursing, you know, there's a, mm -hmm. there's a, there, I, I've always thought that like, you have to have kind of a bully personality to want to be a cop you know and maybe i'm wrong about that maybe if our culture wasn't so sick then that wouldn't be the case um but it certainly feels like the reality 
Yeah. Well, anyway, so your first item was um, decriminalizing marijuana and other uh, petty misdemeanor drug offense types things. So, um, and we talked about that. So, and then your second thing was about building public housing. So those are two things that, that we could address to help to find alternatives to this strong arm sort of policing that we have going on now. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to say anything more about those or how that helps, uh, how those are alternatives to policing or do you have? Yeah, well, just, just, I want to mention some places that are doing it a little bit better as far as that is concerned. Um, uh, Portugal is a good example of a country that has decriminalized drug use um, and they still like arrest and prosecute like drug dealers. But I think if you have less than like a certain amount, a certain day's worth of supply, then, you, you know, they just um, treat you like a patient instead of a criminal. And they give, they, they teach you options, you know, to, to deal with your um, addiction rather than, you know. So they, it's kind of like um, um, they try to help you. Yeah, it's as opposed to punishing you. So <laughs> right. there, that's sort of like an, a whole attitude shift. Yeah. What yeah, a concept. yeah. And, but, and there are some states like Oregon, I think is taking sort of a similar approach to that. And Oregon does a good job, like um, in different cities, like Eugene is one of them. Um, I think Portland is one of them where they have just different first responders who respond to like, drug situations with health and human services workers. Um, I think Denver does something similar. Even Houston surprisingly has some good programs where they, they have health and human services workers instead of police answering some of those calls that, you know, you would get because someone is, is overdosing, you know, or, or they, Act, sort of acting out, acting out. Acting sort of out totally. Yeah. There's, I mean, yeah, well, we're, we're, drugs are one thing and then, you know, mental health crises are a totally different thing as well. But, you know, having having people that can treat both of those from a from a medical aspect instead of like a punitive approach, I think. Um, so so uh, it, it, we're talking about sort of um, hiring some cadre of social workers and case workers, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, and and so, so would that be would that be replacing some police officers or you know is that I ideally think, I think it's in, in conjunction with like instead of an alternative it's more like a supplement um, I don't because like like you said I think it is pretty pie in the sky to think about replacing police officers at this point because our society is so you know convinced that it's a necessary thing that the older I get, the more I become an abolitionist, you know, um, of policing and prison as mm -hmm. well. But, mm -hmm. uh, but it took me a long time to get here. You know, I wouldn't have, if you asked me a few years ago, if I thought, you know, we needed police, I might've thought, you know, under some, some circumstances, but honestly, I don't even know. If I, believe that yeah. I, I have to admit that, um, uh, one time something unfortunate, but not violent or anything like that in the least bit happened in my house. And I called 
uh, a 911 and they sent an ambulance and the, this whole series of people showing up just um, automatically kicked off. Mm-hmm. And a, 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 one of the set of people that had to show up here were the police. And the police in that situation were helpful. Otherwise, I really I would not want to have call them at all. And I didn't call them, you know. Um, yeah, I've, I've had but, the police show up here um, and I didn't call them, but I had a um incident with uh one of my kids my son's friend who was living here at the time Mm -hmm. was cutting himself and told a friend and the friend called the police and sent the police here so luckily see and that would be if if 911 were able to say now wouldn't it could we send a a social worker instead of a police person yeah that would be fabulous Right, right. Because, and I don't, you know, and the, and even this instance where the police came to my house and they did a specific thing, and I, you know, I was glad that that thing got done, and you know, and it was all orderly and you know, no weirdness about it. Um, a social worker would have been able to do that just fine. In fact, probably even better. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, as a supplement to the police, okay. I mean, but I'm kind of with you. Eventually, I'd like to see. Well, I mean, I've already said I want the the sort of people who are policed to change completely. You know, right? So right. why why don't we just change them all into social workers? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because uh, because uh, the you know the other thing about the police is who do they really work for? You know. Right. They're not really, they're not work, they're not working for people who don't have anything. Yeah. Rich people protecting their property, mm-hmm. yeah. protecting their wealth. That's really their deal. It's, yeah, it's about, it's about the property. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. And uh, well, anyway, um, <laughs> whereas social workers, you know, I don't think that they're in it for that reason you know Mm -hmm, mm um as far as mental health goes Mm -hmm. it would have been so cool had someone who was trained in mental health come to my door instead of the police with their hands on their guns because it was obvious that those police didn't know anything about mental health and they asked me if he was you know if he had medication they're like well you should probably make sure he takes it and it's like wow this is this is what y'all came to say. Okay. But, um, wow. but I worked for a while, um, for years at the mental health center of Madison County before it was Wellstone. Uh-huh. And, um, there is a program that's called assertive community treatment. It's called act. And I would consider this, uh, you know, worthy of mentioning, in, as far as alternatives to policing, because it truly kept people out of jail. But what assertive community treatment does is it takes um, the most uh, high risk for jail and hospitalization and works with them closely as far as case management, as far as therapy, it takes a real holistic approach, like make sure you go to the doctor and your medical needs are taken care of, make sure you have your benefits, so you have your Medicaid in place, you have your food stamps, you have your public housing applications, all that stuff, you have housing, you know, you have 
the items that you need in your house. You know, these case managers would do all of that for you and see you every day and watch you take your medication. If that's something that you were agreeable to doing, um, if you just like needed someone to help you or to hold it for you um, to make sure that, you know, it wasn't stolen from you, that type of thing. Like, but mm -hmm. we, we could make people take medication. So sometimes it was just socializing with people and people who would otherwise not have interaction with other people, just hanging out with them. And it, it's a good program, but desperately underfunded. Um, and that type of thing, like I could only imagine if we could have, you know, as many of those case managers as we have police, like how much better the world would be because they're out and, there and without if, weapons if, helping people. If we could invest in case managers instead of military hardware for the yeah. police. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and and these programs pay for themselves. It's expensive to lock people up. It's expensive to hospitalize people. And we don't have the rooms in our hospitals anymore. And, um, I, you know, again, you're talking about people offering help instead of judgment and violence, right? Yeah, and, and unarmed. And, 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 and uh, uh, you know what, I, at my age, I'm finally starting to learn that uh, the ability to ask for and accept help is like kind of a really good life skill, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so uh, even at that level, it sounds like a good idea, you know, let mm -hmm. people know that it is okay to, because, you know, in a capitalist society, it's the rugged individual is everything, Right. It, you're, you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, blah, 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 blah. And you're really at the most, you're allowed to be concerned about your family. Yeah. And this yeah. is why we've run our society into the ground mental health wise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I one, one of the reasons for sure, like it's, it's this, uh, this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Crap, I'm totally drawing a blank on the word. Um, just money over everything. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think maybe the word is capitalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is definitely that as well. Uh huh. Materialism. Uh, yeah. Uh huh. Mm hmm. This materialism that, like, just I think has left us so empty emotionally, and also like worse for the wear because it's stressful. It's 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 very stressful keeping up with the work that we're supposed to do to get all the stuff that we're supposed to have. Yep. Yep. But um, there's things didn't used to be this way either. I mean, there's, a, a, there's always been, you know, since the advent of say the industrial revolution, there's been materialism going on, you know, but mm -hmm. um, uh, uh for a long time, it was geared towards things you needed. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. what people wanted. They wanted things they needed, like food and clothing and a few sticks of, you know, wood to burn a fire to stay warm in the winter, that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah it's it's kind of um, um, sort of uh, advertised, we're advertised to death to, and which is just, um, manipulation sort of uh, you got to be super wary and careful about everything that you hear and see 
And mm-hmm. I hear there used to be a time when even our government believed that people should be able to like earn a living wage and like support themselves <laughs> and their families off of what they make. But it doesn't seem like people really believe that anymore, at least not the people making the laws. Because No, I I think you're right about that. I, I think um, they've, comp- uh, uh, well, I, I don't know who it is, right? But they're definitely the uh, people that are like, well, minimum wage isn't, uh, meant to be um a, a a living wage uh that minimum wage is what uh kids get for flipping burgers at mcdonald's and stuff like that right mm-hmm. and 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 they and and then you know there's this sort of understanding that well they're still living at home you know stuff like that but but unfortunately the the thing is that employers in order because employers must keep costs down in order to keep their investment investors happy mm-hmm. so if if it's not a kid flipping burgers at, who is still living at home it doesn't matter if they can get away with paying somebody who you know has a, a family of four to support uh, if they can get away with paying them the minimum wage they sure will you know yeah and and that's different than it used to be mm. because it, um it, it, i i don't know i i feel like well it's just weird i don't know anyway yeah that, well you know it's one of the reasons i quit facebook um for at least for a little while because i i argue with people about this type of stuff and i'm like god damn it why do i get sucked into these arguments like i don't need to i just need to you know walk away sometimes i can walk away and sometimes i can't but the whole um student loan forgiveness thing and when we have other people who are struggling out here begrudging other people who are struggling who have like gotten these predatory loans you know it's not like they just you know, made some like really irresponsible financial decisions. Like they made financial decisions that they thought were the most responsible at the time that society told them are the most responsible uh-huh. and then, and got caught up in this, in these like, like loans that, that are meant to make it so you can never pay them back. And then, you know, other people begrudging them that help, that little tiny scrap of help and whoever sued because, I, I don't know where we are with that. It's been kind of nice being off of Facebook. I don't know what's going on very much, but like what whoever sued be this because of student loan forgiveness, like what the, what a miserable yeah. son of a bitch. Yeah, no joke. Uh, my life was miserable. So your life must be miserable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gosh. I'm I'm lucky to say I don't have any student loans anymore. I, my my student loans are actually paid off. But when I went to school, had I known how expensive it truly was going to be, I had no concept of like how much money I was spending. I had zero concept. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it now, like I I would have done some things differently back then. Yeah, I I have also managed to pay off my student loans, but I got done with school before I think um, my last degree I earned in I think 1993 and 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 so I got done with school before uh, be- before it got really bad before and- Biden messed up. <laughs> Yeah, before it got really bad, before before the the price was going up, but it had not skyrocketed, and the predatory lending was not really going on, 
and 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 um and I had assistantships and stuff like that that helped me not go into as much debt, and uh, and and I had some help from my mother to pay for things, and so I'm I'm just fortunate and yeah uh, oh, yeah and Same. but I Very did have debt and I did pay it off, but and I certainly do not begrudge somebody else getting help paying their debt off, you know absolutely not absolutely Good Godfrey. Not. Yeah, no, please. Because those people that are getting all of your interest that just keeps compounding like nobody's business, I'm not on their side. That's for sure. Uh, you know, this this way that, that so much of our um, economy is finance. Uh, you know? <laughs> what the hell? What are you producing? Nothing but misery, honestly. You know? <laughs> I, I like the way my bank charges me a low balance fee. It's oh my like, God. Are you serious? Ch- they charge me like $18 for not keeping like a few thousand dollars in my bank account. A low balance fee. Like what kind of evil stuff is that? That's just, That's I mean, awful. the greed, the unmitigated greed. Yeah. And all of those bank fees hit poor people harder the people who can least afford it yeah the people with the lowest somehow i'm supposed yeah i'm supposed to think that's fair somehow that's supposed to be fair Hmm. it just doesn't seem that way to me it's so so you know uh, how about this would an alternative to policing be um some some way to get more economic justice in our system yeah you know like if nothing else how about um how about this? How about we untax uh, groceries in Alabama? Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would be amazing and because we have such a regressive tax system and it's definitely affecting those of us with with less money. We're paying m- more of our income for uh-huh. taxes on groceries. And- yep, yep. Um, and, and how about we do a, a much more progressive income tax? And, yeah, and you know, and I'm kind of for the, the sort of crazy things like there shouldn't be. Um, okay, yeah. How about if I say there shouldn't be billionaires? I nobody should have a, a billion dollars. So if you have that much, it should be all. just taxed right off the top. Period. Yeah. You know, uh, not personally, I'm. You know, uh, personally, I kind of don't think there should be millionaires. But that's probably nobody's going to get on board with me for that. But I don't know about you, but if I had a few hundred thousand dollars, I'd have it made. Oh, yeah. You know, so I don't don't have a lot of financial aspiration. You know, like there's not I don't there's uh, I couldn't name a car that I want to drive that's like fancy. You know, like I just I don't need a whole lot. I might like. I might like a bigger bathroom where I could fit like a, a nice tub. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's like about as far as I go in my dreaming about riches. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Now, what's wrong with you? Why don't you have a $200,000 house? Oh, you man. Know? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, we talked about decriminalization and we've... Uh, um, we talked a little bit about housing and we've talked about mental health and, and uh, uh, social workers and some more um, uh, gun control. Pro- 
okay, gun control. So, you know, that's going to be unpopular with a lot of people when you say that. I don't even understand our culture. To me, it's just like a, a real sickness in our culture, why people love their guns so much. I just think it's some real colonizer nonsense. Like it makes none of us safer. Even the police having guns doesn't make any of us safer. That makes us all less safe. Yeah. And why can't like, I just think, I don't know, maybe like I'm all hippie dippy about it or whatever, but like, I just think that when you have this object, when you obtain this object that has one purpose and that's to kill, to end lives or to hurt people, then you're kind of like setting this intention and it's like, you kind of wish somebody would and bad things happen. Like there's just this negative energy that's attracted to that. And that's why you're more likely to like get shot with your gun or one of your family members is more likely to get shot with your gun than you ever are to like thwart an intrusion or a yeah. rape or something like that you know it's just I, I, people I, people don't understand like the you're just statistically less safe and you're making the people around you less safe and it's not like this in other countries you know like we and not not to mention that um um the prevalence of guns makes it more likely that we have these mass shootings that mm-hmm. happen that they that it's easy to, for the guns to get into the hands of people with with problems, you know, of uh, well, of of unfortunate kind, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't I don't want to give mass shooters the credit of saying that they're mentally ill. They um, they certainly are a product of a, a society that's not very healthy, though. Yeah, yeah. I um, mean, it, it's it's some real sickness, and I it, it feels a little hopeless to me because people just just love their guns so much, mm-hmm. and it's like, why? Uh, what what is it about these objects that make you make them worth fighting for over human lives? I don't I don't know, um, uh, and I. You, you know, but unfortunately, we've got this damned Second Amendment from the founding fathers, as if these bozos had a clue. Right. You know? Well, and then and, and then that, that answers our question, too. It's like, how did those people gain power and dominate other people? How did they perpetrate slavery for all those years? You know, their guns helped them do that. Mm-hmm. So I could see why if I was a white man in America and I had always maintained my power through that type of violence or that threat of violence, you know, you, maybe you I would want love to codify. my too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so there's a, a problem with um, the power that uh, at least used to, if not still, uh, guns give you, which is, you know, also a, a problem of policing because the police have guns so that you know part of gun control might be controlling the police in a different way right yeah because they're just an army for the wealthy to a large extent you know and and so the wealthy have power because they've got an army or um or as many guns as they want for themselves and 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 they have money and and so then that that to keep it going that way gets legislated because they have the power to make it so and and it's just a a, an awful sort of 
unfortunate uh, feedback loop, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Well, um, and I think, you know, I think also personally that uh, um, we, we don't have a, a good um, curriculum about uh, peacemaking, you mm-hmm. know? Speaking, you said something about hippy dippy earlier, you know, um, yeah. but in the 60s, you know, there was a lot of peacemaking going on because a lot of people did not want us to be in the war in Vietnam. And we don't have that as pronounced anymore. And no. and, and, and so um, it, I don't know what we could do to foster that better, but there's that also, you know. I was I was hanging out with my grandma um, earlier this year. My grandmother, who in the 60s was like heavily involved in the civil rights movement and went to jail when she was like six months pregnant um, and and was, you know, on the front lines for all of that. And she told me that it's worse now in our country than it was back then. And I thought that was interesting because I figured, you know, the the days of the fire hoses and the the dogs mm-hmm. and stuff would be worse, but no, she said it's worse now that it's more divisive, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, and that the just the climate and I, I think I think the guns maybe the prevalence of guns add to that too, um, just like there are so many people out here who like just so could quickly end your life. Uh, um, but that's that the, just the very thought like that is divisive yeah 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 but i i don't know if i, I guess policing has I, I don't know how policing has gotten worse since then or if it has gotten worse since then yeah i don't um, know either i've i've heard arguments that they ha- that it has and i've heard arguments that it hasn't but i don't well, know well anyway so we we've, we've talked about um decriminalizing the, as a, as an a, uh, avenue, we've talked about housing, um, and in general, I'd say just uh, taking care of people, not just housing. Although that's a big one, I understand that in the places where housing is provided, uh, people do a whole lot better. You know, yeah, have, having that security, and you're more able to actually maybe get a job and hold it if you right. have a home base and that kind of stuff. But also, you know, yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. Also, um, you know, helping people with uh, medication or or um, food bank stuff, type stuff, or whatever they need help with, uh, along with housing. Um, it, and and then we've talked about mental health care and uh, just a, a little bit and some uh, some uh, things that fall under that rubric. We talked about. Um, a little bit about gun control and about uh, social workers, which I guess is part of mental health. And we've talked a little bit about the police as they exist. Can you think of um, anything else that? All of that really boils down to people over profit, doesn't it? It's like all, oh, and you know, you had a guest a few months ago who said something that stuck with me about how we incentivize the wrong things and, you know, the wrong things are profitable. So all of that, like it's, it's profit over people right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that, and that's more of what we were talking about, how the structure of, of the city government is, um, how difficult it would be to maybe get some of these ideas 
passed because uh, um, it, there's no profit motive in it, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Whereas it's it's easy to get developers to come in here and build expensive houses because they're going to make a lot of money. But public housing, oh, yeah. <laughs> Or or they, or they just can't see the profit in it. You know, like the, like a housing first model hasn't been implemented enough places in this country to point at it and say, look at how the, the good financial results of this, because there are good financial results. Um, And, and there, there are definitely other countries who like have more housing, more public housing, and it's not stigmatized the same way. And it's not ghettoize the same way yeah i I think it's really important to have mixed housing totally Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. then you can't do this whole um nimby stuff not in my backyard you know put it somewhere else and 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 um and and where i can't see it but then you're it's unjust you you know it's just completely unjust and uh and, and um we have a justice problem yeah. 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 We, we have an inequality problem. And, 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 and yes. And, and again, that's back to our tax structure and all kinds of stuff like that. But, you know, um, surely you, there's at least some things that maybe we could do, right? Yeah. Um, you know, change, de- it's at least make an initiative to try to figure out how to decriminalize some stuff. Yeah. At least, you know, tell- poverty start there, like decriminalize, like sleeping in your car, being homeless, like sleeping in public. Like, let's not let's not make those people criminals for, yeah, for already we, going through a hard time. Yeah. If you if you can, if Portugal can help people who have a drug problem, surely the first thing that you could do is try to help people who have a housing problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not 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 throw them in jail. Yeah. Yeah. Not ticket them or find them or or anything. Get them some help. Yeah. What a concept. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's just there's no profit, uh, no right. evident initial profit. Uh, obvious from our 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 job is to help people. And and I you know I know I bring up the social contract, and I've been told recently that uh, nobody knows what I'm talking about when I bring it up. But you know the idea that that's what government's here for. Mm-hmm. You know, government isn't actually put together to protect the people that don't need protecting that already have everything. Right. But that's they're, how it functions. Yeah, that's how it functions. It's supposed to be here to help the the greatest do to the greatest good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So so I mean there's like a but a part of this is too big, right? To do anything about. Like we need to change um our economic system we need to change our tax codes we need to change you know a whole bunch of stuff but in the meantime we could do we could start trying to do decriminalization to do more public housing and more public help and Mm -hmm. um and to fund you know this state used to have a lot more money into in the mental health industry and they the neoliberal um you know let the market take care of it 
put an end to an awful lot of that kind of thing. Uh, but we need to get back on what is this, what does the social contract say we should be doing for each other and helping each other? Yeah. How much, how much crime could, could we just to get caused to not exist and therefore not need the police? Yeah. If, yeah. if we did that There's kind of stuff. I mean, I, I think that, you know, they, it's the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Isn't that what the age, the age of Aquarius is supposed to be more of that less greed, I hope, less um, hierarchical society. So, you know, we're, it's, it's the beginning of that. Maybe we'll, we'll move that way. I think it's like been kind of rough these first it's these first few decades of, <laughs> of the age of Aquarius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, but, you know, growing pains, like maybe, maybe we'll really start to see some progress. And I'm a firm believer in just like, I think that even just bitching about it is doing something because just exposing other people to the ideas that like, this isn't right. And we can do better. Like is, is a good thing. And, and it, it, even if if we can't change things and I know that you and I try but even though we don't see a lot of progress like at least we weren't some of the people who just sat there and didn't even say anything you know like oh yeah well I mean that's to me that's um integrity uh, uh, you know either <laughs> you uh, whether you can do anything or not you're you uh, have to try you know right right um, um and 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 it, it, and it's a poor existence if if you if you you know I don't know what to say, but also I agree with you. At least speak up, absolutely. I mean, I say this all the time about this podcast because it's not like I have some huge um, reach, you know. But I I have listeners, and I just hope that I'm starting conversations. Yeah. yeah. Hey, let me tell you, I'm on this um, human relations commission for the uh -huh. city. My city council person nominated me, John Meredith. And actually, I'm not even in his district anymore. I got redistricted, but he still yeah, uh -huh. nominated me. So I'm still his nominee, which is cool of him um, because I can be, you know, a bit of a complainer. And, you know, sometimes I, I show up to actually protest at city council meetings instead of just speaking. But like, I... Um, I, gosh, why did I even bring this up? Um, oh, oh, I, I, I'm on a uh, commission. I'm, I'm on a committee who is supposed to like monitor the um, city council meetings. And one of the things that I have given to my committee is links to your podcast so that they can get the cliffs notes instead of having <laughs> to sift through all the stuff. And it's yeah, a win-win yeah. for everybody. Well, well, and of, of course they can watch the city council meeting on, on, on the, you know, that's close, the, they record them all. So you can watch them at your leisure. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word at all, because it's not yeah. very leisurely feeling <laughs> if you're sitting yeah. through that, you know, um, um, and uh but, uh, but even, you know, even if it's a city council meeting that goes on for two hours or uh, three hours or some ungodly amount of time, um, still, it, to me, they're not addressing an awful lot of stuff during that time. Right. It's, it's yeah, sometimes there's, there's a lot in what they don't say. I like it mm -hmm. when you point that out, you know, the stuff that they don't talk about and the things that they don't do. 
And there's just a lot of like, seems like just real estate dealing going on. Oh yeah, a whole bunch of that. And uh, with no apparent eyeball for the climate change or any sort of concern of that sort at all. And then they wash their hands of it because the zoning doesn't tell them that they're allowed to do that or say that somebody can't cut down trees or has to take care of this watershed or or whatever. Well, it's their property. They're allowed to do whatever they want to on it. And, and I'm like, well, then change zoning. You know, we got to mm-hmm. do something, you know? Um, yeah. And how much of that, I mean, the city has, city government has power over that, right? It's not Yes, yes, yes. Those are city ordinances. Yes. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. totally could be completely revamped. You know, maybe that's what we need is like the the city to to sit down and go, okay, now we're going to take three months and completely revamp zoning codes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I think that people are starting to make a little bit of noise about how that needs to be done or I don't know how long I mean you've been you you've been on it for a long time you've probably been making noise about this for a long time I'm starting to pay more attention to the people who are making noise about it and um there I have some some youtubers that I like who um are educating me on the way the cities are built and how the suburbs actually lose money and also are terrible for the environment and all the car dependency and and everything so uh, hopefully Uh, there's a there's a a a really good um podcast that i listened to called cities after have you heard that one i have not it's put out by um democracy at work which is um richard wolf's organization you know who i'm talking about yeah. And, and um, the, so, but this is not his podcast though. It's somebody that's, you know, just uh, uh, doing a podcast under his um, uh, umbrella, whatever. And, uh, and they talk, he talks and I mean, it's really good about, look, this is, uh, you don't have to do cities this way. You can ask these questions first before you do things. And mm-hmm. I, I just was like, <laughs> You know, when I found that, I went back and listened to all the episodes from day one. And I'm just like, oh, my God, breath of fresh air. People talking about things like in this sensible way. I just, yeah. So, well, and you can see a tiny bit of progress in the fact that they are making it a little bit more walkable and bikeable. I think that that's, you know, people have been pushing for that. And I think that Huntsville's making some progress there. Um, I mean, at least in my neighborhood, they have because we have a pedestrian bridge now. Oh, um, that's nice! Gosh, it, it, it is. It is. And we had community meetings for years and went and talked to our city council representative at the time. It was Will Culver, mm-hmm. um, and and they made it happen. You know, it finally has come to fruition after a long time of like begging for it. So hopefully. It's a trend because this is the worst city when it comes to being able to walk and bike around it. It's nuts. It's terrible. It is terrible. I and uh, uh, and I know they're doing some. They're trying to get complete streets like the new um, uh, whatever they're they're talking about building down uh, off of um, Governor's near Low Mill. Oh um, right, the, the uh, Skybridge it, thing. Yeah, whatever the heck is going on there is supposed to be sort of more mixed and complete streets and um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Yeah, uh, good. You know, is it enough? Will I ever be satisfied? Probably not, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, there's always going to be room for improvement. You know, like my grandfather always used to say, I'm optimistic about Huntsville. And I like to just say, there's lots of room for improvement in Huntsville. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's, there's always room for improvement. Um, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I do, you know, you say that, that you, you got uh, that, that um, John Meredith um, um, uh, nominated you to be on the human resources committee. And, uh, and um, uh, that's part of DEI, right? DEI. Oh, yeah. De- yes. Department yes. of, of uh, work, Equity yes. and Inclusion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, we work with them. I don't know if it's considered part of, but we do work with them. Uh-huh. Um, uh, um, I can't imagine anybody ever putting me on a committee because I would just, every I would try my hardest to get everything to grind to a halt. I <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised because I sent John Meredith a nasty, nasty gram, really. And that's when he nominated me. So I think like, even though I, I, you know, I guess the message that I sent him had some diplomacy in there, but it was like, I was mad because he voted for Jenny Robinson to be city council president, you know, and it was like, we all just work to get you elected and then you go and do this. And I, I, I don't know, maybe even though it like, wasn't the nicest message that I sent him, maybe just you know, somebody being civically engaged is enough, <laughs> like, because there there are some good commissions or committees, like, I think that Peanut is working on the, um, on a commission that could probably use some help, so I wouldn't say never, uh-huh. uh, nobody would ever put you on a commission, I think you would be an excellent <laughs> person to be on a commission, <laughs> when I'm mayor, I'm putting you on all the commissions. <laughs> But it's not one of your first three things that you would do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, I don't know. I think that we've touched on some really good ideas. Um, We maybe haven't solved the problems of the world, but there's definitely other ways to look at things. So I I really appreciate your input and and thoughtful comments and good conversation. And I think thanks so much for coming and talking to us tonight. Thank you for having me and thanks for doing this. I really have been enjoying this and I appreciate it. Well, thanks for saying that and just keep having conversations, okay? <laughs> All right, we'll do. All right. Okay, have a good thanks. Night. Thanks. Bye.